Good morning and welcome to the 100 and insert. Yeah, I would like this is how I'm gonna start to do it. You say the number, and then I can't be held responsible for <laughs> you, fucker. 139. Really? Yeah. I thought it was 140, but whatever. See, that's why we're doing it this way because uh-huh. now I'm not wrong. Uh-huh. Um, hosted by Aaron and I, presented by Taco Casa. What up? We are slinging tacos. Yeah. And it's official that Taco Casa is making more than the convenience store and the liquor store during the week. Damn. Dead ass serious. Tacos are life. So, um, really really happy about that that's gonna really allow us to take this podcast to new heights mm-hmm. um because i mean when you're taco royalty taco money's like oil money baby i know it's it's almost better <laughs> um how was your week pal did uh, i do it right did i start this thing right yeah sure yeah i, mean, I think you know, it's good yeah uh my week was good uh let's see um i do have a i have a bit of a funny story from friday work was good had a monster week did almost a hundred thousand dollars in sales this week at work so that's uh pretty decent i think yeah you love to see it i think that's the most i've ever done in one week um dollars. that's pretty decent um, so good work week. That was great. Friday, uh, you know, I worked like kind of like a half day. And uh so, oh, text- so you're talking about a, a four and a half day. Yeah, I did a hundred thousand dollars worth of sales in four days. Yeah. On Friday, <laughs> I really didn't sell anything. So yeah, four days I sold a hundred grand worth of booze. All right. Love that. Some Love would that. say that's um, people are obviously decent. gearing up for uh holidays, for, uh yeah. Thanksgiving and the holidays. Actually, I and- well I have a bit of a weird story that I'll tell that uh, also has something to do with this, but but before I tell that one. So Friday morning, I text my sister. I have two different kitchen knives that I use primarily. I have like a I have like a seven, eight inch, uh, seven or eight inch chef's knife, and then I have like a thinner it's not a fillet knife but it's it's a much um it's a much smaller thinner blade and neither one of them is great i use one for one we call we call that a petty knife i believe okay yes that is the word i was looking for thank you benjamin i and only the only reason i know is because i i own one yeah i figured i figured if anybody would know it would be you so uh carry on i asked my sister in the morning my sister a a uh that have bachelor's degree holder from the culinary institute of america i said ashlyn i want to get a knife i want to get one knife that i can do a lot of things with that you know she's like how much do you want to spend and i said i'm comfortable with spending a little bit of money i don't want to spend an exorbitant amount but like you know i'm i'm fine with spending a little bit of money so she sends me over a knife that uh it's a japanese knife it's a brand called it's either shun or shun i think it's shun um let's go with let's go with shun because i think it's shun because i think japanese words are pronounced exactly how they're spelled but either way actually i guess that would be fine shun so she sends me over this knife it's an eight inch actually it's it's shun okay shun i I like that so it's an eight inch damascus (laughs) damascus blade uh, and it's on their website for 180 bucks, marked down from 240. 
And I'm like, okay, cool. That's perfect. Like I can do it's a all around knife. I can do a lot with it. Good size looks great. Um, and they have it at Williams Sonoma. So I don't even have to order it. I can buy it. Do you want a tiny bit more knife detail talk? Damascus steel. Very, very nice. They make it by folding it over and beating it to death. Yeah. It's like Uh, the strongest shit going. So carry on. Hold hold on. Love Damascus. This is bad. This is bad radio, but only you can see this. Uh, I posted that picture of it on my Instagram story. And this is the, the description of Damascus steel. I got back from Katie white. Sent me a whole fucking essay about holy shit and how it's made. Yeah, so. so it's very, very interesting. It's my dad loves Damascus steel, and people uh, forget that he's a knife connoisseur. So, right. um, already you're talking, you're talking dirty to us. This is great. Yes, this right. is great. I hope everybody's got their pants down. So, <laughs> I, I'm like, okay, well, cool. I'm gonna be in town. You know, I'm gonna be up in Manchester next weekend. There's a William Sonoma at Evergreen Walk. You know, for Hannah Brown's wedding. Shout out Hannah Brown. I'll be seeing you next week. And I'm like, all right, I'll just get it. And as my workday kind of ends, I'm like, well, I really don't have much to do right now. And there's a William Sonoma in Westport, and I was already in Milford. I'm like, fuck it. I was like, I'm just gonna go get it right now. So I drive down there. Uh, I needed to get a bench scraper, a, a rolling pin, and this knife. I, I My soup dumplings I was going to make last Sunday never came to fruition, uh, so they are getting made today. Um, so I needed those things for that. So I, you know, they have all the really nice chef's, nice chef's knives in a display case, you know, that's under lock and key. So I go to the, the, the register, and I ask the woman behind the register, I'm like, hey, would you mind? Uh, her name was Julie. Uh, I said, would you mind just giving me a hand? Uh, I, there's a knife I want to get. And she's like, yep, no problem. And she comes out. And so she, you know, pulls it out for me. And we start chatting a little bit. I tell her about my sister. I tell her about, you know, that I, you know, work in wine and, you know, blah, blah. We just have a conversation about cooking and wine for, I don't know, maybe five, 10 minutes or whatever as I'm checking out. You know how it is. You're a chatty guy. You know, I just was just chatting about uh, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. And I'm not a chatty guy all the time either. But, you know, I, I was a chatty guy in that moment. And uh, so, you know, I pay. And as I'm like going to walk away, she's like, oh, don't put it in the dishwasher. The heat will ruin the blade. I'm like, I don't even have a dishwasher. Don't got to worry about that. And then so I start to walk out and I hear Aaron, Aaron. So I'm thinking I forgot my card or my wallet sitting on the counter or whatever. <clears throat> Her and the manager come up to me and they ask me if I want to work a part-time job there for the season. <laughs> they like they straight up offered me a job. They're like, they're like, uh, would you like be interested in like working here part-time, like on the weekends and stuff? And I'm like, honestly, I already I have two jobs as it is. I really don't have time to like take on a third and they're like, it could just be like Saturday or Sunday. I'm like, I usually bartend Saturday. Sundays are my only day off. Usually like, uh, I'm just going to keep it that way. And uh, listen, I'd, I'd love to come chat about Damascus steel yeah, right. with you. On right. Sundays, exactly. I don't know if you know this. I'm a Patriots fan. Yeah. And, uh, uh, <laughs> that football happens on Sundays, ladies. And it doesn't look like you got a TV in here. Um, but uh, so they offered me a fucking job after just sitting there and chatting with them for a couple minutes. Um but uh yeah it was a, imagine it was a if they did have a imagine if they did have a tv and they allowed you to use all of their 
um, cookware stuff, and There's you literally just cool made giant fucking like charcuterie boards and like for like football season. Actually, you could bring a whole new, like you know, a whole new system to Williams Sonoma. Be like, the only thing is, know? Ben, is they basically admitted that they can't pay me as much as as bartending does. They oh, they without 100%. saying as much were basically like we'll give you minimum wage and you'll get an employee discount. So see, they were trying. They were like hoping you were just like a kitchen nerd and you wanted to stock your entire yeah, no, house with no discount no. Williamson. No. Your, your boys, your boys, expensive. I had another sales. Yeah. I had a, <laughs> another sales rep the other day. Uh, was last week asked me. She's like, uh, she was working with the VP of her company, and she's like, yeah, well, we're looking. You know, we're looking to bring sales reps over. I said, Deb, listen, I don't mean to sound pretentious, but I'm too expensive for you guys. And she said, what's it going to take? Like a hundred? I was like, more than that. I'm expensive. Um, And they probably don't have an um, a Atlas Mercado Jackhawk 9000 in there, do they? They definitely don't. They definitely don't have a. Uh, fuck <laughs> i can't even remember what it's called <laughs> i just said it atlas no mercado. it's an atlas a mercado atlas 150 i want to say oh. no jackhawk <laughs> <laughs> the things from fucking italy you think they're calling a jackhawk um but anyways um, how was your week buddy my week was good my week was good um we fished <laughs> we fished yesterday we didn't catch shit no nothing yeah nope I mean, we caught a few fish, but there's nothing we're talking about. Winds out of the east again. Fish bite the least, uh, which is tough because it's like, you know, you only get the specific days to fish for red snapper. Right. So it's like if you have a if it's if it's the weather that's, you know, not making the fish bite, it's just kind of a it's a bummer scenario. Yeah. It's not like you can be like, oh, we'll get them later in the week when the wind changes. It's like, no, nope, you won't. Yeah. You just won't uh, ever. Fishing is but, a, a fickle sport. Right. But it was just awesome day on the water. I mean, we ran offshore and it was, it was beautiful out there. Um, so, you know, like the old saying, any day on the water is a good day on the water. Yep. Bad day um, better than a good day and, and we still, you know, we ate fish last night, caught some trigger fish, uh, caught a scamp grouper, which is like real high class eating. Mm. Like, you know, like you're talking about high class. Yeah, it's a it's a very very delectable fish, but um, besides that, obviously we're just gearing up for the uh, the trek the trek north. Got the big old wedding, and uh, gonna be exciting. Yeah, baby, I'll be there. It's gonna be a blast. I'm looking forward to it. Um, uh, shit, I lost my train of thought. When are you guys coming up? Uh, I think Wednesday leave wednesday get up here thursday no no leave well it's a, it's a one day leave oh you're gonna leave? oh first thing in the morning wednesday yeah yeah and then uh and, and then, then we'll be up there late and then we'll be there thursday you know thursday through the whatever there's no no set timeline right on love that i was gonna see if uh this is also bad radio but i was gonna see if you guys were sticking around because i would stay up in town on saturday too if you guys were oh around. yeah no, yeah, 100%, and you should, and then we could do a live epi. Oh, we haven't done one of those in uh, eight months, almost, right. seven months. Um, so going back to, to my day job for a second, Ben, I am selling – I hope none of my bosses listen to this fucking thing. 
I am selling so much fucking Camus Napa Cabernet, it would make your fucking head explode. I have sold to one guy, one account in the last 10 days, 70 cases at $760 a case. Now, is is something happening with Camus? Like, is it's like, the, it's like, you know, if I were to give an opinion, it's like, uh, it's like a very non-wine drinkers bougie wine that's ben that kind is of ex- fucking very well said very well said it is it is a wine that has a cachet and a name to it but if you're in the know about wine you know it's not worth the price tag how's that which is basically what you said like I non-wine to, drinkers, I used to bougie drink, red wine i used to drink camus until i started drinking barolo that's my boy <laughs> That's my boy. Um, no, it's funny because uh, Camus, Camus is uh, good. Camus is good. And, and, I, I, and I am I used selling to drink it that hand over when fist, I was in, bro. Now, so let me ask, are these, do you think it's because like, you know, it's like what? hundred? It's 89 to 100 bucks or something, right? For a bottle. In Connecticut, Retail. the lowest you can get it for is 79.99. So it's between 79.99 and 80. So that's a pretty good gift, I'd say. Yeah. Like if you gifted someone a bottle of mm-hmm. Camus for sure. Christmas or something. So Very is that thoughtful. why they're buying it? Uh, no, Ben. You know, the, re- the reason or, is actually much more interesting than that. Um, is, is there is there going to be? Is he going to save this shit and sit on it? Uh, no, he has a customer who is. This is all for one guy. One guy. So 70 times 700, that's just this month, by the way. I'm looking up how much he's bought this year. 70 times 760 is 49. 70 times 60 is 4,200. It's $83,200. Oh, Jesus Christ. Excuse me. $53,200. Is that right? Tell me that's right. Tell me that's right. $53,200. Your boy is a calculator. All right. Um. There, he has a customer, a Chinese customer, and these guys, they've been doing this for years with a lot of different products. I'm, I've known of these guys for quite some time now. They are, what, the, oh my God. Are they, are they market manipulating? 180, He's bought 224 cases of Camus this, this year. Between leaders and 750s, he's bought 224 cases of Camus this year. Um, no, what they're doing is I don't know if it's cheaper to buy it here or if they don't ship it to China, but these guys buy it here. They drive it to Chinatown in their van. They pay cash. They come in with a van. They pay cash. They pick up the cases. They drive it straight to fucking Chinatown and they put it on a boat to China. And this is they do this with cars. They do this with all kinds of different alcohols, basically things that they can only get here or they can get cheaper here. They go and they put it on a boat and they ship it to China. And so I just happen to be lucky, the lucky benefactor of them currently wanting a ton of Camus and us having a ton of Camus because we don't always have a ton of it, but right now we do. Interesting. So my next question is, he's probably doing this all over the place. You're oh, probably oh, not the only stories. 100%. 100%. The reason why my guy won't buy more or I don't let him buy more 
is because he's a CPMFA, a cherry picking motherfucking asshole. That's what my boy Doug Schaefer, who him and his dad own Schaefer Vineyards, which is also a very well-known California property, says. CPMFA, cherry picking motherfucking asshole. That means he doesn't buy a lot of other stuff that we get from the family that makes Camus. So it's hard for me to justify sending him all of this fucking wine without him, you know, supporting the brand, so to speak. You know, you used to the bourbon. Guys, right. right. Yeah, no, I get it. The bourbon guys who would just come in shit. randomly. Yep, exactly. Same exact shit. So uh, I I have throttled him back a little bit. But uh, yeah, still 224 cases of Camus this year is pretty fucking banana lance. I mean, that's so that's in of, that sense, of, let me dollars. ask. All right. We, we can. This is the Sunday conversation difference. Once again, we can transition this simple little thing that you just talked about, which isn't very simple into like. You want to talk about, so that would be like um, a little village in, in China mm-hmm. owned by the United States. Mm-hmm. And then everyone, like, so then um, we go, or, or sorry, I'm not going to say we, but the uh, little, the American village in China goes all about China yeah. and cash in hand pays for widgets from okay. a factory at a below average not a below average cost but just uh whatever the cost of it put it on a boat send it to the u.s now that is um like it becomes a private sort of like sale right so those cases of camus aren't going on like the gross domestic product of the united states oh, no right but then it just goes to show like that right there almost just solidifies that like nothing, all those numbers are just like Fugazi for sure for everything I'm talking across the map. And then why is, is it because every like Chinatown is owned? Is Chinatown just not governed by the United States? Like, is it just like, is it like, no, I'm serious. Is that like how it works? So they're just like, all right, we're not, no, I mean, it's, if you, Technically, if they own the real estate, which China owns some of the most expensive real estate in the United States, and they're slowly buying and buying and buying. And, you know, it's like they're talking about Chinese corporations that are buying up all the farmland in the United States. And then it's like, okay, so then China owns all the all the farms in the United States. Well, so now if they have if they own Chinatown. Is like, are the police, you know, or is the, is the tax man, is the IRS, you know, like getting on boarding all these vessels that are exporting goods. Right. That's what I'm saying. So this needs to be like, in a sense, this is like a, I mean, we're detectives. We certainly are. The IRS should have hired us. Like that's, that's such bullshit. Ben, you already went for an interview at at the IRS. (laughs) Um, dude, it's just crazy to me. It's like, you know, because because there's an American business benefit uh, benefiting, and by that I mean they're selling their wine. They don't care who it's getting sold to. It's like yeah, yeah they just white vans that are supposed to be airport um, like taxi vans that are really just running Camus from Connecticut down to Chinatown to ship off. Like that to me sounds like you go to prison like that's what that shit is and, and it's obviously you not the, the case 
Yeah. Yeah. No, they absolutely should. There's a high, there's a hundred percent chance they're just skirting the tax man, and it's also that's why they pay everything in cash. And, I mean, technically, you know, if they go and buy thirty cases, which is twenty one grand, twenty one change, twenty one six hundred. Twenty. Yeah. Um. But they get, let's say you get pulled over and you've just got 30 cases of kids. It's not illegal to have 30 cases of Camus in your trunk, you know? No, like, not at all. So there's it's like, oh, yeah, oh, we're just, yeah, we just, this is our order. Yeah, right. But, exactly. Yeah. So like, bring, bring it to the restaurant. So for them to just ship it and skirt the tag, I mean, they're 100%. They're, they probably have somebody, you know, in China that, you know, helps them get around customs there. And I, I, I guarantee, with the United States, the problem is, is that like those departments that would monitor that are understaffed. I mean, that's like, you know, that's the key to getting away with anything is find the holes in, in staffing when it comes to the U.S. government. Aaron, Aaron, I'm like my my mind is opening so much as we speak because I'm just sitting here thinking about in El Salvador. Do you remember that when we talked about that episode where I said like China came in and bought the entire pier? Yeah. Well, they didn't buy it. They like claimed that it's like a huge donation, you know, and now there's like millions of dollars of millions of dollars of like big construction going on, all funded by China. Yeah. Like, is that just their port in, uh, you know, in that part of mm. El Salvador and they have them all over the place? Yeah, China's pretty scary, man. China is uh, is is a scary uh I wouldn't even say future, but, but a future adversary for, for, for the world, not even just the United States. Cause the thing about China is China doesn't give a fuck about anybody else. Like, right. You know, the United States, England, France, you know, uh, Israel, these like historic, I mean, the United States put, put 40, 40 million or billion to Ukraine, uh, I mean, for hurricane Ian relief. Yeah. You know, oh, well. in the package for the hurricane Ian package. Ben, days. So I can I can see. I mean, look at. Do you know where hurricanes start? Off the western coast of Africa. So that's kind of close to the Ukraine. So I'm just saying. Um, Understood. But uh, <laughs> uh, but truly, like there is a there is a uh, it, there's a big storm brewing in China. The the red storm. I mean, it is it is scary so i'm making some shanghai soup dumplings today really in honor of that to show them that i'm an ally and you know when it when it all comes down to it i'm okay right, like to, the pod how. doesn't want to the, the pod doesn't want to you know get in china's way yeah ni hao bro ni hao um maybe we should just delete this episode actually i wonder do we have any listeners in china let's see um I guarantee not. China's just this well, this you know, tech. there's the token. There's token one listener. Yeah, they're running. They're running us through some sort of like, you know, the the China Bureau of Investigation. Um. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's. Uh, I'm kind of scared of China. If I'm being completely honest, I just think that like, the problem is that China is so important to the world's economy in terms of uh, production and manufacturing that like, I don't know how anybody at any point realistically tries to stop China. If China wants to pull the rug out from the entire world, they could do it easily. Like you remember 
it was obviously it was during COVID, but one of the one of the issues that was was going on in terms of the global shipping um, crisis that was happening at the time was, oh, wow, we've got a lot of listens in the last a lot of downloads in the last month. I think this is probably our best month ever. Um, was uh, Ten, over or under 10 million, 22 million. So, <laughs> um, fuck now. Oh, all there was a hundred thousand shipping containers that were stuck in China and you just, you couldn't get them out. Um, what the fuck? That's really odd. Episodes 135 and 136 have just exploded. Uh, anyways, so you literally couldn't get them out. Uh, and that's part of why there was such a huge problem with global shipping for so long is because China had so much of the world's shipping containers just stuck there. So like if they wanted to pull the rug out and fuck everybody, they totally could. Um, yeah, I don't think unless this island is technically part of China. I don't is it the Chinese Taipei? We have Ben. This is interesting. We have some listeners in North Vietnam, so you're lucky you guys got that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. This it's all in fucking the Chinese characters. I don't know where where this island is. I'm gonna find out though. Interesting. Well, I mean, there's no. I, I think um, the writing has been on the wall ever since oh, they no, noticed. Ben. What? It's Taiwan. That's fine. That's fine. That's not good. Um, excuse me. What I was trying to say was, you know, this has been subliminally put into our brains for the last however long. Like this shipping, shipping, shipping. And I truly don't think that, I think that it was the ultimate scheme of just increasing shipping prices. Okay, so I will, I, I, Ben, I do agree with you to some degree on that because I do think there's been a lot of information that has come out recently about when you look at corporations' uh, profit levels over the last, say, 18 months, their profit levels have gone through the roof while wages and compensation have remained stagnant. And the reason being is that it's almost like, it's like, and I, I, I know there's times where we sound like wicked conspiracy theorists on this, but this is really not conspiracy theory it is like worldwide global price gouging. And when all of that happens concurrently, realistically, what can you do as the consumer? You have no choice. If, if products that you're buying unilaterally across the board, go up 25%, what do you do? You, you, you're, you're at the mercy of corporations. And so as corporations realized that they could jack profits just by raising prices and nobody would really be able to do anything about it, that's what's happened. I mean, it, it's, it's happened in every segment of the economy. You can't buy anything anymore without it costing you an arm and a leg. Like I went the other night, Friday night, I got, there's a, a sandwich shop across the street from me called Munchies. Okay. They make this great chicken parm. It's called the Red Devil. It has a it has a, a spicy sauce to it. Right it's now we're gonna sound excellent. like demonic devil worshippers on the podcast because you got the red devil. Eh. So anyways, <laughs> so anyways, I went and got that, and I got a um, and I got a side of fries. It was twenty one dollars. Aaron, twenty one fucking dollars. I hear you. 
we were when we were driving to Texas, we went to Jimmy John's. Yeah, classic Warren Buffett sandwich shop with the best barbecue chips in the entire <laughs> fucking league. Like, not even a question. Not even a question. We got two regular Club Lulu's turkey yep. sandwich, standard bag of chips. It was twenty four bucks for two. You know, yeah. But like, you know, we can say that in our day, you could buy a turkey sandwich for two fifty or something. You know, bro. Do I or remember? not, you know, or make, you know, it's like if you buy a loaf of bread for, I mean, you could have turkey sandwiches for a week yeah, for, for under $5. Yep. Well, I, and I get it. It's like, and that's the other thing is, you know, living in Texas, I have to say straight up that like living in the Northeast, there's no fast food, right? Like straight up, like per square foot. You could literally argue that there is no fast food because in Texas and in these southern states, there literally is so much fast food that it's like uncomprehendable. So like when you start to make the correlation, it's like there's no fast food up north. Therefore, I felt like I cooked a whole lot more. These, these you know, these places that literally have they give you so many options. Um, we're talking in Rockwall, Texas, on one strip of of road, you, you could probably count 35 faster food restaurants. And I sh- like it's not even it's not even an exaggeration. There's probably more than that. So like you start to see like the availability. You know, it's like, okay, so I'm not even gonna buy food i'm just gonna eat out pretty much every time well then it's like okay jimmy johns you you're now competing with the you know turkey sales from whatever it's like what why would you not jack your prices up yeah totally you know it's like they're still gonna come in and buy it exactly for for 24 dollars aaron you could get one pound of boar's head um the cracked pepper turkey mm-hmm. you could get uh let's see kaiser you could probably get like six kaiser rolls for like five bucks maybe mm-hmm. I, maybe a little bit more yeah I, I don't know i'm just like guessing so right now you're at i know this because i bought it before like 12 <laughs> bucks and then like six bucks so 18 bucks so then then you could you have the rest you could get cheese with the rest of that yep. and you could make like six gourmet turkey sandwiches yeah absolutely absolutely benjamin so got, it's like I, dude it's, it's like why wouldn't you know why wouldn't course. you charge eight bucks for a big mac because the people are gonna buy it that's yeah, why it's it's i think i don't that, know i i've not been to mcdonald's in forever but how much you think a big mac is going for these days then they used to be I like you a big ba- i bet you a big mac meal fries and drink medium i guarantee is over 10 bucks Right, and everybody knows that the fries cost nothing, and the then the and the soda costs probably under five cents. Yeah, yep. So you've got all these major corporations that have now become increasingly more popular, popular, profitable than they were beforehand. And actually, it's kind of interesting because as these companies seem to be getting more profitable, 
the stock market in a in a zoomed out view, although this week was a good week, has been getting slaughtered. So it's kind of interesting that there's that that profitability isn't necessarily translating to uh, higher stock prices. I just bought a bunch of Amazon because it's fucking causing nothing right now. And it seems like a great, great buy. Um, but uh, yeah, actually a couple of weeks ago, I was up, uh, I went to see my grandfather on a Saturday afternoon. I went up to uh, just stop by the store and see him. And I called him on my way up and I was like, Hey, do you want me to pick you up anything to eat? And he's like, yeah, just go buy Panera. They got like a chicken sandwich. Just pick me up one of those. I'm like, all right, you want like a side or anything? He's like, no, nah, just get me a sandwich. Get him the sandwich, 14 fucking dollars out the door. So I bring it to him, obviously. And I just give him the bag and the receipts in the bag. He's like, $14? Are you kidding? He could not believe it, Ben. He was like, he, we, I was there for probably 45 minutes after that. And at least eight different times he brought up that the fucking sandwich was $14. He couldn't get over it. Right. And, and how it's like, but it was, it was just subconsciously tapped into us. Uh, sure. You know, it's like, we know it's happening. So it's like, all, the only reaction is, can you believe it? Yeah. But it's right. not like, you know, right. it's like, right. holy shit, you know? I mean, that's the truth right there, bro. And then it's, you start to look, dude, 14 bucks for the fucking tur- chicken sandwich at Panera. <laughs> and the person that just made it is making eleven ninety five an hour. Yeah. They can't even, for one hour of work, they can get three quarters of a sandwich. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously, though. Like, it's we'll this- give you this one, but it has three bites on it. And this, and that. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, and that, Benjamin. Is why fiscal responsibility is more important than it's ever been because the world is getting more expensive around you. Your money is becoming less valuable. If you're not finding ways to add extra value into your life or extra dollars into your pocket, you're just going to have a harder time. The hill gets harder and harder to climb every day, every year. And, uh, and that's why you just got to keep plugging along, stick to the dream, find the path that works for you and hammer it. Jeez, that was incredible. Thanks. Who are you, Thoreau? Yeah, Henry David, baby. Walden Pond, what's up? <laughs> I own a Thoreau well, book. People forget that. Um, but uh, I, I am going to leave. We got we have four minutes left. I'm going to leave with one bartending story from last night. This kid, I had we had a first date. As you know, this is uh, these are my favorites. Um, this kid who was at a part the the billionaire that came in last whatever it was two weekends ago that had the party this kid was at that party and he was obliterated leaving like he was in the bathroom with some girl and she was screaming at him to put his pants and his shoes back on it was a shit show he was destroyed so he walks in impossible to forget slick black slick back blonde a bleach blonde hair impossible to forget so he comes in with this young Asian girl. They're sitting at the bar. And it's it's very obviously a first date, probably an internet date. You know, because they're asking, like, when's your birthday? What's your dog's name? You know, shit like that. So uh, I'm, like, I'm literally, like, wingmanning this fucking date for this kid. Like, I'm making a drink, and she says, what's your birthday? And he says, September 26th. And I, I just said, you're a Libra. And he's like, oh, I didn't even know that. And she's, and he says to her, he's like, are you into astrology? And she's like, well, I just know my things. And he goes, when's your birthday? And she's like, January 30th. I'm like, you're an Aquarius. 
<laughs> and, and I listen, I only know those because Dylan is September 25th and he's a Libra and my brother is yep, February 12th and he's an Aquarius. So like, I just, I know those because of, you know, those. So I'm like literally like pushing this conversation <laughs> along for these people, like just interjecting at little points and just pushing it along, pushing it along. So she goes to the bathroom at one point and I just look at him. It wasn't super busy. I look at him. I go, nice work, man. Doing pretty good. I'm like, what's the next move? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to see, you know, if she wants to go somewhere else or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, great. Leave it up to her. Good thinking. <laughs> so, you know, we chat for a little, they're there for a couple hours. You know, they finally, they go to leave. I drop their tab. He leaves a fucking 12% tip. This motherfucker, this son of a bitch who I almost walked into the bedroom for him, 12% tip. And then he had the gall as he was walking out to say, thanks, Aaron. Have a great night. And fuck you. Don't use my name when you disrespected me like that, you piece of shit. Anyways, so that was uh, that was my last night date story. What a what a bitch. Motherfucker, yo. Motherfucker. Oh, Lord. All right, Benny, That's I got to go. I got to go world. make some soup dumplings. Um, hey, shout out Shanghai. Shout out Shanghai. Shout out Katie White for all the information on Damascus Blades. I I know more than I'll ever need to know now. Yep. It's important. Right, hey, obviously, Katie White and I know because we know Damascus. Of course you, what yeah, of up? Course you do. All right, bro. Love you. Good chat. All right. Love you, bro. Peace.